This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. What's happening is you're losing sight that there's going to be an issue here and people are being forced to wean, etc. And I think those patients are at significantly higher risk over the next three years. And I don't think that our death toll is going to decrease. And so we're looking at this IV drug use kind of harm reduction population and making a parallel to the prescription opioid chronic pain patient. And the chronic pain patients are really suffering. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness-related issues. On today's show, we're going to discuss what amenities will be in the apartments of the future. Also, a second opinion on the opioid crisis. And lastly, how to train for winter activities. But first, a little bit of business. Support for today's show comes from the Benvenuto Group. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they've become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest qualities of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set a standard for informed residences. I'd like to welcome back our first guest, Mitchell Abrahams, the principal of the Benvenuto Group. He's a real estate professional with over 25 years of commercial and multifamily residential real estate experience. He's converted apartments into condominiums and developed condominium and apartment projects. Welcome back. Hi, Jamie. Today, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about some innovations that will be available, not in the distant future, but in the coming years, stuff that you see coming down the pipe that you're excited about as a developer and a builder that you see having real utility for people that are going to be moving into apartments uh, and in particular new projects. Okay? That's great. So where do you want to start? Let's start with sustainability. Okay. For so many years, I've talked about lifestyle amenities in apartment buildings, and I always thought that that was where the focus was, that everyone was looking for that, and that's how they wanted to live. But lately, I've been drawn more and more into energy efficiency and green, and it's fascinating how many sides to that discussion there are. Right. When you start off, you realize that the building itself is a big part of how much energy it uses. So people are going to start building better and better buildings, starting from the envelope or the exterior of the building. The windows will be more energy efficient. The wall structure itself will be more energy efficient. And that has a lot of benefits. Number one, when a building is tight, for lack of a better word, you need less energy to heat it and cool it. That obviously saves costs, it saves energy, it saves resources, but it has other benefits as well, which I'm learning as I get more into this. What are the benefits? As an example, everyone worries with the type of weather we've been having and, and the strains we have on infrastructure that we're seeing more and more events 
storms, power failures. When you have a power failure and, and you're living in an apartment building, you always worry, what's going to happen if this lasts for a number of days? Let's say it's really hot out. Let's say it's really cold out. Right. The more energy efficient a building is, the more it becomes a safe place to live. I'm seeing buildings designed or people talking about designed in the near future where you can go five or six days with the temperature in your apartment with no energy rising or falling one or two degrees. When you think about that, it really makes you feel good about the place you're living in that you could, you know, be at home and not have to worry about, you know, I'm an elderly person. I'm going to have to go to the hospital, as you hear about in some of the storms in the States, because I'm dehydrated and it's too hot in my place, or the opposite here if it's too cold. And I find those things really comforting from the fact that, you know, this is something that's next generation. I live somewhere that's actually better. With the green initiatives, you know, I've been publishing health and wellness for 10 years, and, and you know, we often get approached by advertisers or people with stories for new green products. Mm-hmm. And the question that I always ask is, you know, on a cost-benefit analysis, does it balance out? Because if you're asking people to, to pay a premium, you're advocating. Whereas if you give them something which, at the end of the day, may be a higher upfront cost, but they're going to save money down the line. I think people are more than happy to do that. Is that what you're finding? I, I think the more and more we get into it, the more we realize, first of all, costs are going to be allocated differently. Right. You're going to spend more money bu- building a better building, but it's going to use less energy. So, and, and once you work through it, you realize, well, maybe it's not going to cost that much more. Maybe it's just going to be smarter. Maybe I spend more on the outside of the building, but I spend less on mechanical systems. Some right. of those things actually end up for free. It's interesting what you're saying, because I can see a, a point coming soon where we start doing things what people are calling in concept green leases, where you actually share in the savings if you are more energy efficient in the way you use your space. If you're a tenant in a building and you say, I have an ability to watch on a screen how much I air condition, and I'm going to decide that I want it to be 74 or 75 instead of my neighbor next door who insists on it being 69 all summer. Right. Well, maybe I should get a sharing with that in that. And I, I could see the point where everyone starts working together, and it's part of what builds a community. There are some buildings being built in Toronto today where they've got a screen in the lobby to show which of the residents is using the least energy in the building. And it becomes almost community building and competitive when you're trying to do something that's good. And, the, and those are sort of real changes to the lifestyle, but they're, I think they're wins for everyone. They are, but it's a little black mirror, you know? Like, it, some of that technology... You know, it relies on a sense of community, right? Like you have to Correct. be comfortable. You know, well, unit ten twenty four is three degrees warmer than than the one next door. I mean, I'm not sure, and there may be privacy issues, but I, I hear what you're saying. So you're saying the technology exists right now, where for unit to unit, you can monitor those differences and perhaps. Uh, I back? think I think you're starting to see sensors that are going to be another big part of uh, how we live. Lights are going to turn on when you come into a room. Temperatures going to adjust when you're in a room or not in a room. You know, the need for data is going to sort of be boosted during different hours during the day, knowing your lifestyle. You're going to be able to access your doors, which you can already remotely, to uh, let someone in to service your equipment and know who was there and have a camera that can sort of monitor it so you don't need to stand there waiting for the cable guy to to wonder if he's uh, rummaging through your drawers. So so smart houses are begetting smart apartment buildings. Is that it? I think 
think very much so. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that you can do it in scale in an apartment building means a lot of the hard equipment that you need to do it can be done in a more efficient way in, in a multi-unit setting than in a single-family home. So for you as a developer, obviously the smart technology has a cost that's attached to it. Sorry, I keep coming back to cost, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to me, right? Mm-hmm. So, so from your perspective, uh, is this infrastructure that is cost-neutral, or is it something that has to be passed on to the tenant over the course of time? I'm looking to develop things that are always cost-neutral and stick with the technology and see how you can do that by being smart in how you implement it. There's always an institutional end that's the cutting edge that does it when it's not cost-effective. Right. And those are a lot of the pioneers who sort of die in the battles of trying to do it. But from that, you pick up the pieces of uh, what works and what doesn't work. And how can we do that in a simpler way? And, you know, there are things like Passive House. Uh, that's, that's something that we'll all hear about a lot more over time That that's in Europe uh, in a much more sort of accepted way, but it's making its way here. And those are things where, you know, the natural movement of air through fans and through through using heat in the building from your electronic equipment and from you, yourself putting off heat all sort of contribute to lowering the needs for for energy in the most basic way where we used to turn on radiators and it would go out through the sort of the holes in the building and, and right. you're really heating the outside rather than keeping as much of it contained and, and having a comfortable environment in a cost-effective way. Fantastic. Well, uh, we'd love to have you back next month. And, you know, we, we only covered the infrastructure and the smart aspects, but there's so many more amenities and, and sort of social aspects to the building of apartments. And I'd love to explore that next month. Will you come back and discuss it? Let's try to talk about just some of the cool stuff. Yeah, the cool stuff. All right. So tune <laughs> in next time for the cool stuff. We've got to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to get a second opinion on the opioid crisis on the tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Purica. Purica wants you to turn its protein into your power. A blend of the finest vegan protein and the antioxidant powerhouse that is the pure chaga mushrooms. Purica Power features ingredients and enzymes designed to optimize digestion and absorption. Unlike many protein powders, Purica Power tastes great with water and mixes easily. It's available in chocolate, vanilla, and natural unflavored. From the Purica family to yours, Purica Power is a new way to make the most of every day. It's all part of the Purica commitment to making a positive difference in the lifestyle of its customers. Ask your favorite health food store for Purica Power vegan protein or visit Purica.com. Purica, nature, science, you. I'd like to give a shout out to another sponsor, WeVibe, creators of the Couples Vibrator. WeVibe designs premium products that work with your body to enhance pleasure and intimacy for couples. Their line of vibrators is one of the most recognized and respected. With a team of world-class designers working closely with experts in sexuality, health, and wellness, WeVibe continues to set new industry standards for designing intimate products that work beautifully in sync with the human body. Want to infuse more passion and connect with your partner in exciting new ways? Go to WeVibe.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest is Dr. Hans Clark. He's the Director of Pain Services at the Centenary Pain Clinic and is the Director of Pain Services at the Toronto General Hospital. He's the Research Chair for the University of Toronto Centre for Study of Pain. Dr. Clark's research interests include identifying novel acute pain treatments following major surgery, 
identifying factors involved in the transition of acute post-surgical pain to chronic pain, and identifying risk factors associated with continued opioid use and poor health-related quality of life after major surgery. Dr. Clark, welcome. Uh, Thank you, Jamie. We've all read so much about opioids over the past year, and a lot of it is is really scary. And I think when it was written, it was, I think, intended to scare us a bit. Um, What are your concerns regarding the recent reporting of the use of opioids? So, Jamie, I think, you know, uh, there have been some uh, positives that have come out of the reporting. But I think when we really look at things, there have been an increase in deaths. And one of the the things that really jumps out at me is this kind of um, 70% number that has continued to be thrown out of there. When we look at those numbers uh, on a granular level, we're talking about 367 deaths in 2003, let's say, and in 2017, the recent uh, um, press conference held by Minister Hoskins there said we're, gonna, we're at about 867. And so, you know, that, that number, uh, when you look at it on an annual basis, is, is a steady increase of about 7%. And it may well be related in part to some of the prescribing practices as that has increased over time. But what we're missing here is, uh, you know, how many opioids are prescribed on an annual basis in the province of Ontario? We have uh, 13 million individuals. We um, prescribe to 1.9 million patients in Ontario on an annual basis. And we're looking at a number of 800. And, you know, we're changing regulations. We're changing uh, prescribing practices and telling docs, you know, to cut back and things of this nature, which, uh, you know, on some level is the right thing to do. But on other levels, that's a separate population. And what about, you know, if we say that, you know, these high, this, the new safe guideline or the new safe dose uh, for prescribing is 90 milligrams. Well, we have hundreds of thousands of patients probably out there in the province right now that are taking more than 90 milligrams uh, per day. And so what's happening is you're, you're losing sight that there's going to be an issue here and people are being forced to wean, et cetera. And I think those patients are at significantly higher risk over the next three years. And I don't think that our death toll is going to, to decrease. And so we're looking at this IV drug use kind of harm reduction population and making a parallel to the prescription opioid chronic pain patient. And the chronic pain patients are really suffering. So you're drawing a distinction between those who are who are getting prescriptions and those who are maybe uh, you know street use, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And when the seventy percent that you were referring to, the seventy percent is the increase in deaths from opioids. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And. And I don't know if you know, but the increase, is it mostly attributable to street use or is it or is it also from prescription use? Do you know? So it, it's it's such a complex kind of scenario. And, and you know, uh, kudos to the Ministry of Health in particular and uh, our Chief Medical Officer of Ontario. He's created, uh, Dr. David Williams, he's created a, about three or four committees now to look at this. One of the issues was, you know, with a lot of the illicit fentanyl that was being put into the, the, the street products in particular, we didn't have... Have a way to detect one from the other. And so if it was found, fentanyl was fentanyl was fentanyl, and so everything was related back to our prescription pad in terms of fentanyl. But we're clear now that there's more to it than that. And so it's not a linear link to say that, you know, people are dying of fentanyl and it's a prescription pad when we know that this population is sometimes being forced down that road because of physicians you know, sometimes cutting back on patients that have been stable. And you hear this term about destabilizing your patients now recently. And, you, you know, I, I shake my head. Since when have we as physicians been told to destabilize our patients? Uh, you know, someone who's working, she's a mother, she's got two children at, in, at home and, and taking care of her family. And now she goes in to see her doc who's been prescribing her opioid for 10 years and says, well, you know, you're on 500 milligrams, you, you've got an addiction issue, and I'm going to be cutting you off in 30 days, or I'm going to reduce you rapidly. And I think we have to call this scenario 
to task. And just as we are, you know, uh, calling the scenario of, of overprescribing to task, people and physicians dropping their patients because they're on opioids are not accepting chronic pain patients. That's a big problem right now if we are facing an opioid crisis. So, uh, as a practitioner in the field, and, and you, you have pain clinics, what are you doing? If you have somebody who is taking more than 90 milligrams, what are, what are their options right now? And, and this is the, the, the really tricky part here. And everybody is now putting forth, well, you know, let's wean our patients and let's wean them 15% every two weeks. Well, I can tell you, this is not an easy thing for a patient to do, and nor do we give them enough resources. And so the call here is to ensure that, one, we're looking after their mental health. Two, that they're going to do this safely. Three, if they can't actually do it, we're giving physicians the ability to pause or leave them at those doses until we get them to the place where we can continue to head down that road. Because if we don't do that, these folks are going to end up in more trouble than less trouble at this point in time. And so I think that our new opioid guidelines have done a couple of things. They have definitely protected future patients. So we're not going to have as many patients above this 90 milligram dose. But what we're struggling with is what we do with this big population that currently should should be brought back down. And so they need services. They need that psychological mental health care. They need, you know, uh, all of those allied uh, components put together in a program and a protocol that works. And so the call is to create evidence to show how we actually go about doing these. Patients are afraid. They're scared. They've been on this medication for 20 years. And now how do they actually, even if they're ready to move forward with all of this fear about, you know, what's going to happen to them and withdrawal and things of this nature. And they need those coping tools to move forward. Well, you know, it heartens me at the very least, at least we have caring physicians like you that are concerned about these existing patients that are on opioids right now. And hopefully we can come up with more solutions going forward. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks, Jimmy. We've got to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to discuss how to train for winter activities on the tonic. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take this opportunity to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Purely Natural. They're fourth generation master herbalists. It's a family owned Canadian company that's been in business for over 100 years. They've been working with my company, Tonic Magazine, for over 10 years. And its principal, Joel Thuna, has been writing our fantastic preventative medicine column for over seven years. They're one of the original sponsors for the OMTO Yoga Festival. The company is certified GMP, kosher and organic. For more information about Purely Natural, please visit their website, purelynatural.com. Hi, I'm Jamie Busson. I'm the publisher of Tonic Magazine and the host of The Tonic. I just wanted to remind you that The Tonic Talk Show is brought to you by Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness publication that I've been putting out for over 10 years. We're available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods, all in Toronto. You can learn more about the magazine by visiting our website, www.tonictoronto.com. And if you ever miss an episode of The Tonic, you can also hear it there. You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Our next guest, Kathleen Trotter, is a personal trainer, fitness expert, nutritionist, and level one life coach. 
Kathleen is the author of Finding Your Fit and a regular contributor to the Globe and Mail and Huffington Post. Kathleen holds a Master's in Exercise Science from the University of Toronto and works as a personal trainer in downtown Toronto. Welcome back. Ah, it's my pleasure. You always make me sound so good in the intro. I'll come back every day. What I need... A little boost of self-confidence. What I need is somebody to read my intro to make me sound interesting. Jamie is the most amazing host. Dynamic voice. There we go. It's wintertime and people are right in the midst of skating and skiing and unfortunately shoveling, which are all activities requiring unique movements and using muscle groups that people aren't used to using. So I thought I'd bring you in today to discuss how do we prepare for that. So Kathleen, how do we prepare for it? Well, first of all, just a sort of overarching concept. You know, we go to school to become a lawyer, and then you practice law, right? You wouldn't go to become we a do. lawyer and we... then go to an engineering school, right? And no, but, yet... what, but what happens is sometimes you go to law school, become a lawyer, and then you walk away from it, and you publish a magazine, and you host radio shows. Anyways, go on. you went to law school. Okay, anyway, but the point being that similarly to matching your education to what you want to do with your life, you have to match your workout to your life reality. So that is right. what you're doing at work. That's shoveling. That's your sport. And I think that that's, we miss that with working out. It's like you just go to the gym and you do whatever, right. you have to match the motions to at the gym to what you're going to be doing in life. So when you're doing something like snow shoveling or a sport, then you think, okay, what are the demands um, and the movement patterns needed in that sport? So you think, I like to get my clients to think of two things. Right. One, the motions that they need. So there's maybe six of big ones. So the hinge, when you're hinging at your hips, the squat, the lunge, a push, a pull, a rotation, right? And mm-hmm. gait, which is just like walking. So if you're a runner, you're going to do a lot of running. Right. If you're doing um, a lot of show snow sloveling, oh, I can't talk today. That's a lot of hinging, squatting, and rotation. Right. right? So in a lot of us, if we sit at a desk, we're not good at rotation. So even just as simple as at the gym, doing some squats and doing some exercises that involve core strength with rotation. Right. And then you're like, okay, those are the motions that are going to be needed in the snow. Okay. So... It's one thing to say we're going to do uh, core strength with rotation. And you're like, what the hell is that? Well, no, no, I I know. I know know you know, Jamie, because you're like strong. But I I know a little bit about that. Mm. But but why don't we give an example of some core exercises and then maybe some core exercises with rotations in there? Yeah, perfect. A really simple one would just be a V-sit. And you could even do it here in your chair. Right. So you'd sit in your chair, chest out, and you could do it at work, right? And you're going to lean back. I won't do that because then you won't be able to hear me on the mic. But you'd lean back about 10 degrees. And as you lean back, you'd think about engaging your lower abdominals and your pelvic floor, and then you would just hold it there, making sure you keep your chest out. And that's a hinge motion, and that's a core exercise, right? And then you could hold that V-sit, and you could add some rotation side to side. And then you get two of the motions needed um, with snow shoveling. Snow snoveling. Snow shoveling, yeah. Or even with golf, right? So you can decide it doesn't have to be the snow. It could be that you're training to go on a golf vacation. I want to go on a vacation. Yeah, me too. But the other thing to remember is that even if you're not doing really specific motions, you can think about your core, if that's what you're worried about, if that's what your weak link is, when you're doing anything. So you could make a squat a core exercise by thinking about it. You know, there's a strength coach that I really like, Charles Poliquin, and he always says he doesn't let his athletes do core exercises, quote-unquote, like planks and v-sits. He just says, engage your core while you're doing things like a squat. And if you're doing a squat with weight especially, it's like a moving plank, Right? 
True. I mean, I was doing back squats yesterday, right? Which is where you're, you've oh, got look the... Look you all shown off. I know. <laughs> if, if only you saw me doing them, then you would not be as impressed. No, no, I'd be impressed. Um, so, I mean, squats are good for your lower back. And, you know, when I'm shoveling snow, if it's the heavy stuff, it, it, you know, that's where people hurt themselves, right? You know, it, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's because it's not just the squat and the rotation, but it's the squat and the rotation and the weight. So you could practice that. You want to make that V-sit with the rotation harder, hold a little bit of a weight. So like a Russian twist is what they call I it, right? A Russian twist, yeah, or even just a simple. Which is not a drink, by the way. It's not a vodka drink, although it should be. <laughs> you're not rotating it's, with a, a drink in your right. Legs. It's yeah. when you're it's when your legs are up, either with bent knees or straight legs, and you are turning from side to side. Absolutely, and, and yeah. you, you know you yeah. may be holding a small weight while you're doing it, but the idea is to use uh, what, what's the lat muscles on the side, right? Lat serratus obliques more. But the thing is, is that core. I think we should have probably started with defining a little bit more of what core is and why it's important. And people think, oh, core, that's just my tummy muscles. And really, core is the whole girdle around, sort of from your hips all the way up to your ribs, that really both support your spine, as you just said, but also help you transfer weight from your feet all the way to your hands. So it's important if you're an athlete, you know, if you're throwing a ball or you're hitting a ball, but it's also really important when you're trying to get snow from the floor, you know, behind your shoulder. So it's that transfer of weight, but it's also really important if you're trying to run, because as your foot hits the ground, you have to absorb the weight right. of your landing, right, of the ground reaction forces. So core does a lot of different things. It integrates your whole body in a, um, and then helps you avoid injury in that way. Uh, it's also really connected to balance, which is very key in the winter, right, because it's very slippery. So even something as simple as standing on one leg and engaging your core when you're standing on your leg, right, then you're, in, uh, you're challenging your balance. Uh, close your eyes. That's even better to challenge your balance because then you're connecting, you're getting your vision out of it. And vision often um, sort of sneakily helps you with balance, even though you don't realize it. That's why a lot of people sort of bend over in the winter because they're using their vision to help them with the balance. Okay, we have time for one last quick question. Amazingly oh, enough, we're almost out of time. So, time uh, uh, you know, when you're working out in the gym, you have mm-hmm. somebody sort of watching you saying, you know, uh, tighten up your core. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you recommend to somebody if they're working out on their own, if they're doing their own exercises? How do you how do you sort of keep your core tight when you're doing all the other exercises? Well, I think, first of all, just be mindful of what you're doing. A lot of people, when they exercise, they're thinking about a million different things. And so their pelvis is unstable, their shoulders are moving all around. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is thinking about initiating the motion from a stable core. So engaging your pelvic floor muscles before you even move, pulling your lower abdominal muscles a little bit wide to your hip bones, and then always just keeping your chest open and your shoulders back, because that's going to help set yourself up for success with the muscles. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming in today. It's my pleasure. Uh, We'd love to have you back next month. I would love to come back. And we'll discuss more exercisey stuff. I want to thank everybody for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomerradio.ca and thetonic.ca. For articles written by our guests, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at www.tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss why not every truth in a relationship needs to be spoken. We'll answer the top questions about medical marijuana and get you to swap out dieting and swap in self-care. This is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program.
This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.